0: Was Daniel Ricciardo's crash a Zach Brown plot? Should Lance Stroll be happy that Helmet Marco is not his father? All of that and more ahead on Tinfoil Helmets, your occasional spicy hot take roundup of the latest F1 rumors with the almost believable conspiracy theories to back them up. Everything here is carefully researched for hours to make sure it's totally founded in logic, reasoning, or tr- and truth. Or not. Who knows? <laughs> So, let's jump right into, did we get anything right about Zanvort? I predicted that we were going to have a max grand slam. Uh, Thanks to the rain, that did not happen. It was close. It was close. It was surprisingly close, given
1: the situation.
0: Uh, Uh, Did he end up with fastest lap? No, uh, Fernando got the fastest lap. Fernando. He was trying so hard. He was. Uh, And then uh, the other thing we talked about was... Aston Martin's Dutch upgrades bring them back to the front. And I'm going to say that's a bit inconclusive. Really? Only because Lance Stroll was so far off the pace. But they only had one new floor. Oh, did did Alonso get it? I believe that's the
1: case because on the practice sessions, they did um, Fernando with the new floor on FP1. Then they switched him to the old floor for FP2 and gave Lance the new floor for FP2. I don't know what happened after that because they wanted to do the comparisons to make sure that they were really seeing the differences that they were expecting. Um, if if it was one floor, <laughs> one floor, bottom. Um, uh, if they only had one undercar uh, facilitating equipment, then I think that shows that they were they were pretty good. I don't think they were back at the front. I think they lucked out to the top. Like, they were probably fifth, really. It's probably where they were. And I think they kind of lucked out to where they got to.
0: Um, I think that's probably true, given Mercedes is uh, no good, terrible, very bad day.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but I think Aston Martin did seem to
0: fix something. They haven't fixed it as much as they maybe have hoped to, but maybe they'll dial it in. We'll see. Well, we'll talk more about that for sure. Uh, but first, we have to uh, our between-race drama, which was uh, started off by uh, more drama caused by uh, Alex Albon's appendix.
1: Yes, the ever ongoing appendic-
0: appendectomy
1: that keeps on giving.
0: Uh, yeah, so what? Uh, Patrese crashed in Free Practice 2? Piastri. But yes. Piastri. Yeah. Oscar crashed in Free Practice 2. There we go. Uh, yeah. And what? Danny had the choice of either go into Oscar or go into the wall. He chose to go into the wall. And uh, now he's has a lovely new piece of metal in his hand, uh, thanks to the same surgeon that operated on Lance Stroll. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fascinating. So could be two weeks and he's back in the car. So while we think
1: that this is a Zach Brown paying off um, Piastri to take out Danny because he wants revenge, is this, is this in actual fact a hand surgeon who's realized how much money he can make from F1 drivers paying people off to break their hands so that he can make some more, na- more money? Because I'm pretty sure this isn't done on the Spanish health surface. This is like
0: seven circles of crashgate right here. It is seven circles of crashgate, <laughs> and we don't know who's going to win out of it. On the definitely tinfoil hat conspiracy side of life, uh, this all being a Zach Brown plot to get Danny out of the car because he is unhappy that Danny is back in the car because he wanted to ruin his racing career. Um, yeah, that's that's my tinfoil conspiracy on this one. Is this because Zach needed a release from the fact that
1: he got screwed over by uh, the IndyCar driver Alex Palou? Probably. Uh, and therefore he needed to let some of that angry energy out. Yeah. Okay. That seems that seems plausible.
0: There was some sort of social media thing with Zach and the two drivers before the race, and it was like a trivia thing or something, and Zach was crushing them from all I, I saw. From the clips. He's on a roll. Uh, crushing people's dreams. He's out for blood in the only way that a team principal can be. Indeed. Um...
1: Yeah, I thought this was interesting. I felt sorry for Danny. I do feel really bad for Danny. I feel like this... Um, I noticed today on his Instagram, he posted a picture from hospital uh, and he said, uh, this isn't... What was he said? I not remember exactly what he said, but this is all part of the comeback. And I feel that that is cursing it by calling the whole thing that he's doing a comeback.
0: Well, there was some between race news that is not on our our Google Doc, but we should still talk about it. Of um, the, I think it was Helmo confirmed that uh, Sergio is not guaranteed the seat in 2024. They have... They have said that there is no promises to him having that 2024 seat. So it's all to play for. Uh, Suspicious. We'll be hearing from the Mexican ambassador soon.
1: And given um, Sergio's weekend. Yeah. Uh, Next item on the list. Uh, So Ferrari has said to Sainz where to stick it based on his previous comments saying that the team doesn't understand what the weakness is. And the team responded in the media with, we are crystal clear on that weakness. Um, and the question is, is that weakness, it's a Ferrari, is the weakness that it was designed by a Ferrari team? But the conclusion is, because the team knows what the answer is, it's the driver. It's always the
0: driver in a Ferrari. That's true. Unless the driver is Niki Lauda. Because Niki Lauda is probably, is Niki Lauda like the only person in history to stand up to old man Ferrari? Probably. And tell him his car's a piece of sh- I,
1: Would Would Schumacher have done that if he had been if he had been able
0: to do that? I think Schumacher would have done that. I don't think Schumacher would have been able to take that. He would have if he could have. Schumacher would have told Ross Braun. I don't think he would have... I don't think it would have gotten back to Enzo. of Like, here's the direction we're going to go with the car. I see. But like the fact that Enzo was very involved in the race team at the time and Lauda pretty much told him to his face, your car's a box.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Nick Lauda is the only person that's going to do that. But to be to be more uh, contemporary about it, I do think that... Um... You're not allowed to criticize a Ferrari unless you are already winning the world championship. No. Um, and even then, that's probably not a good idea. If you want to continue to win that championship.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, you never see a sad person in a Ferrari. And we see Charles Leclerc all the time. <laughs> After his crash in qualifying yesterday, sitting in his lawn
1: chair, not wanting to go back to the um, the pick and deal with the team, um, I was just looking up. To, as a preview of the race. I was looking at what had happened to him in this race, and
0: the PR spin has begun. So, uh, and sat, and surprisingly, only the second saddest person we saw sitting in a lawn chair all weekend. Indeed, and the other one was Logan Sargent. Ah, oh, yeah, he looks so sad. I thought he was crying at one point. I um, would, I would not blame him if he was. He he also had a terrible, no good, very bad weekend. Also, it apparently wasn't his fault, but we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, and
1: then the last item on our between-ways drama is, yeah, another the Ferrari one. Um says he is in no rush to complete his extension. Um, my take is this is because he's waiting to get any other seat that he can find so that he doesn't have to drive around in a clown car anymore.
0: No, I, I really think this is... I, I think Charles wants to... Charles is almost on the same borderline of Seb of, like, wants to win in a Ferrari so bad that, like, can't see... He, he keeps wanting to go back to that abusive relationship of like, no, no, it'll be better next time. They promised me a faster car. It's okay.
1: I am reminded about the fact that the last person to successfully win a world championship in a Ferrari was Kimi Raikkonen. And he wasn't really trying. Like, I'm not saying he wasn't driving to win, but he wasn't like... He he he, he lucked into it. And, and I feel that the reality, you have to time it with Ferrari and wait for the planets to align and you won't be a successful driver but you will get the championship. And right now, that, that, that those planets are definitely are far from
0: aligning for Mr. Leclerc. Okay, here's a tangent. And stay with me for a minute. Kimi Raikkonen's son is currently nine years old, I believe, or about that, uh, and racing 11-year-olds in karts. I think he got a podium earlier in the year racing two, people, two years older than him juniors in karts. What happens first? Ferrari wins a World Driver Championship or Kimi Raikkonen's son gets into Formula One? Oh, Kimi Raikkonen's son gets
1: into Formula One before Ferrari win a world championship, without question.
0: Does Does Kimi Raikkonen's son win the next Formula One championship for Ferrari? Yes. We just come full circle. Yes. That
1: it, it it will be it will be not in the same style as Kimi. It will be more. Oh man, this is terrible. It will be Nico Rosberg to Kiki Rosberg will be Kimi Raikkonen's kid to Kimi Raikkonen's win. That's that's I'm calling it now. Someone should take a bet on this call us up in 15 years time and we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's about. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Um yeah, should we move on to our only our occasional segment that happens in every single episode? Does Blank still have a job? Yes.
1: I feel you might have feelings about the first one, so I think you should you should
0: start. If there was ever a reason to get Lance Stroll out of that car, he showed us all of it this weekend. <laughs> I, I remember looking down the timing table uh, the, the time the time tower on the it was like lap five, six it was where it was clearly the inter tire was the best tire to be on. No question about it. It was exactly the tire you wanted to be on. It was lapping three or four seconds quicker than the guys who were trying just to hang it out on softs. And you looked at the timing tower and like the top 13, 14 were all on intermediates. Then you had everybody on softs, except for the person who was going second to last, which was Lance Stroll on an intermediate tire. <laughs> he did manage to hold the Fleam Lawson for most of the race. Sure. I mean, he did eventually finish in like 11th or something like that.
1: Yes, but there was a random number generator involved there. I'm sure. Not sure you could, I'm not sure you can attribute many people's finishing positions based on pace alone.
0: Uh, well, for some of the top drivers, yes. Others, no. But it was... Not for Lance. It's, it's just this case of like, if rain is the great equalizer and sure, you know, there were some people who got the lucky call to the pits uh, on the first lap and others hung it out for a lap, but you saw a clear separation of like, Oh, people on enters. Oh, people on sauce, except for Lance stroll. And it's just, it's one of those cases of like, bro, you're not even close to your teammate. You are clearly costing your team valuable world championship points Here's the thing. Here's, here's like the meta 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 story.
1: What happened to Lance? Right? Because you, you make the point that you know the water is the great equalizer, right? Um, he used to be pretty good in the wet. Like that used to be his his thing that he was good at. He could show what he could do it outside the car, like in Turkey 2020, right? Where he goes and was it stuck on pole, right? Yeah. And that wasn't just like a lucky timing situation. That thing was that that track was an ice rink, and he nailed it, and he got it right, and he drove it well, right? He did a great job in that race. So what happened between then and now? Is, 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 is he just aged too quickly? Is he struggling with the fact that he's got problems in his hands? That does not bode well for Mr. Ricardo. Um, so I, I don't know. And I, I, I
0: do many questions. I'll toss the third in there of the pressure of your dad owning the Formula One team. If you, if you subscribe to, as I do, the
1: Lance Stroll is a terrifying person. Sorry, Lawrence Stroll is a terrifying person. Yes, I'd agree but there is so much out there that suggests that he's not and also being a child i don't i don't think that that's the relationship that i see expressed in his behavior so i'm i'm not i'm not ready to subscribe to that but i could i could see how we could get there
0: so as as an aside um for those of you who may or may not know i'm very active in cycling and grassroots cycling and things like that and i have seen a non-zero number of um juniors so you under 18s Uh, just get burned out just in the sense of their parents do a very good job supporting them in their endeavors Uh, and not necessarily forcing them to do anything they don't want to do, but you just end up with so much support that it's like, oh, crap, I feel so much pressure to perform. And then they just end up burning out and quitting. You have a person whose dad bought a Formula One team to guarantee their seat. There is no more like enabling your son to do well than that and you know it was when what 2020 was still racing point mm-hmm. mm-hmm. isk it, it was still and now that we're like very much into like the Aston Martin transition throwing a bunch of money at it like it's a very different program than when he chunked it on pole in turkey and yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if lance is feeling the pressure a little bit does does that
1: reflect even more disappointingly on seb in his final year in f1 maybe um sadly uh, but I, I think I can see a point. You, you, to put a wholesome spin on it, he has been given all the support that he needs. But because he cares so much about doing the best that he possibly can, he is the pressure cooker has has blown its top, and and he needs he needs some time, needs some time away or some lowered expectations.
0: Uh, it's also you know the difference of you're in somewhat of a backmarker team trying to figure things out versus like a team that's clearly coming back through the field and has hired Fernando Alonso and. Yeah, that it's a very different situation than it was in, what, 2020 with driving against Perez.
1: It was interesting. The other week I listened to uh, Fernando did an interview with the off the grid, top of the grid, the F1 official podcast where they do interviews with drivers. And they had Fernando on there. And Fernando was talking about, he was asked explicitly about, you know, you're driving for the uh, your teammate's dad's team. Uh, do you, you know, just make policies and just get out of the way? Because you seem to be really nice. And he basically alluded to that, no, that's not really what the case is. Um, or maybe I'm thinking maybe it wasn't Alonso, maybe it was Mike Crack. I can't remember. Either way, there was a conversation about it, uh, and one of the points that Wade was that Fernando spent a lot of time in in WEC and learned how to be a good teammate, and he understands that certainly at this point, this is about the team, not about him. Uh, and so there's an interesting aspect there that like maybe he maybe. On top of having the wonderful, loving, heartfelt support from your dad, you're getting a great bunch of support from Fernando, and you want to live up to the aspirations of Fernando for the team, and it's all just its all just too much for him. For a, for a simple Canadian boy who's relaxed and laid back, it's just too much.
0: Yeah, just time to go to the London Business School and get an MBA. Indeed, and prove that you weren't really a race car driver. Anyway, what about Logan Sargent? Speaking of Williams drivers, possibly move, having to move on to a second career what a coincidence uh actually i think logan had not the worst weekend no he, he he got into q3 on basically Mary. a bit of a random number generator going on but he did it he managed to get it there. yeah and then not last in q3 oh no he was last in q3 my bad um that's what happens when you go into the wall did he go to the wall in q3 i thought only uh Charles did no he did no no oh didn't. that's right that was the other red flag in,
1: <laughs> and then he did it again in the race. But uh, Mr. Vowles came out and said, actually, the hydraulics failed and he lost all his steering, which is why he went sliding off into the wall. Which, when having watched that video back a few times, I was like, how did he manage that? Because um, he just went straight off. Uh, but no, it looks like it wasn't his fault. I'm not sure, but I think I think he could be. He's definitely past the point of make or break, and it's like you need to do
0: something amazing to save it. I think it's also one of those things of we can't discount how good Alex Albon actually is. I think he is very good, and I think he is driving that car very well. He qualified fourth. Random number generator weekend. Not on that last lap. Yeah, no, he was doing pretty good on that. That track. last lap on softs was like, that That was a clear, relatively dry track. Like, that was a good, clean run. Which which leads to the point
1: that if you're Dalton Capital, and I think they signed Sargent as part of still trying to recover money, but there's an aspect of, if we put a real driver in here, or a driver who is able to be even 50% of Alex Arbon, let's say, the car is clearly capable of it, what does that mean in terms of points, right? His dad is probably paying him a meaningful amount and paying the team a meaningful amount of money, but that is not going to come anywhere near the, you know, 10 million that could be made by having a few more points. I can't remember what the number is per point, but it's like a reasonable amount of money per point. Like, there is definitely I had a question there that you, in the same way with Aston Martin, like how much money is being left on the table because you don't have someone doing the work and pulling up in that second team? Because even if somebody got like, I don't know, five points over the whole season in that Williams in the second
0: car, man, that'd be great. That would be so good for the team. I mean, Alex got four more points today to put him four points clear of uh, Haas to be seventh. How many points does he have total?
1: 15. That's pretty good. You see somebody coming in with five points and sidon has got zero, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so I I, I, I I, think it's not that they've decided to fire him. I would hope that they've decided that they are properly looking around, but he has to do something pretty impressive to save it. And I think I think that Nick, that could be just one race where he like just has a really good race that shows that he can do it. Um, but I think he probably just needs to be consistently better for the rest of the season. But I think that this could be a seat that we don't hear anything about until after the season.
0: Uh, I have to say, I think your third entry on this list is fascinating. Yuki Sonoda,
1: yeah, I I yeah, I had Yuki on here last week as well because in comparison to Mr. Ricardo, it was like a, even though I think Yuki's been doing a good job, he needed a benchmark because Nick DeVries was not a benchmark, right? And I don't think, re- while Gasly was a benchmark last year, I don't think it was really a good comparison to try and benchmark the two. So Daniel Ricciardo was, I think, actually a pretty good benchmark to come in and make a bunch of sense in this situation. But he's gone again. And so I'd put him on here. But now I think he had a good race. Admittedly, he fell, fell behind Lawson. But I think he actually had a pretty good race. And I think he just needs a better car. I, I'm not sure I want to take him off the list yet until he's hit from Daniel Ricciardo, whether he can drive again. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I hope he doesn't get kicked out, just because I think he has he has something that his attitude does not convey.
0: Yeah, I think I, I thought overall Yuki had a very good race. Uh, you know, a bit of a, the random number jader at the at the end, you know, kind of ruined it a little bit. But yeah, he screwed up his tyres. So. Yeah. Um, so well, the team screwed his tyres. Yeah, uh, he did impede Lewis Hamilton in qualifying. Well, everybody impeded Lewis Hamilton in qualifying. The team impeded Lewis Hamilton in qualifying, And with that, let's move on to qualifying. Qualifying! Of course, Mr. LeClerc binned it. Because he was pushing, and there was a good chance he
1: could stick it on pole. And then he binned it. Didn't he? He almost binned it twice. He did almost binned it twice. Um, I thought it was interesting. His criticism on the radio was like... I thought it was actually pretty legit. It was like, really? Why do you keep putting me out in all these dodgy places? This is stupid. But yet at the same time, and I think when you talk about Charles, you try to put him in the same breath as, you know, the... Other top talent such as Max, you should make the best of it, right? Like, I, 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 to a certain extent, I feel the same about Lewis. Like, sometimes you get put out in the wrong place and you just totally screw up. Um, but I think he should—he he was right to complain, but he also
0: should take responsibility for his own actions. In defense of Lewis, it's hard to uh, come back when you are the first on a very drying track to put down a time. Indeed, indeed. Um, I, uh, to, to skip to the end of the qualifying recap, I, I to
1: myself in my head thought oh, there's rain, oh, I know Lewis is going to get knocked out in Q2 um, just because of the the random number narrator of the, tack, uh, the track. Um, they, I think your position is that it was the team's fault that screwed it up.
0: Uh Yeah, I'm, I'm going a little bit more on the race on that, but I think overall Mercedes had a strategy weekend to forget or to massively learn from.
1: Isn't that every weekend for Mercedes?
0: This one seemed worse. Okay, okay. Uh, last thing from qualifying for me was,
1: I thought the Williams, as we were discussing earlier, did good. Like, what did they do to that car? Like, yeah, sure, it goes, it's always been slippery, but they've done something that makes it actually really quite good because it was able to not only do well in Alex's hands, and as we said, Sergeant put it into P10. That was pretty good before he binned it. Like, what happened?
0: Um, I think there's some stuff they've done around their floor because I think we know from some underside pictures of, like, people bending it in monaco that they did not have the most complex underneath their floor which is going to be very important in a ground effect formula and i think they've done a lot of changes to that to make the car better because like it's one thing for we all we're going to expect williams to do well at monza which is the next race weekend but to see them do well at like the high downforce track that is Zandvoort, very surprising
1: yes i i think that i hope somebody is filming it slash writing the book about it because i think this could be a great comeback story i think it could be a much better comeback story than the mclaren one it feels like it's got more pace than the mclaren recovery really had and so i think it could be a much more interesting story um i'm very very curious about that so. boy those mclarens are still pretty fast though yeah they were especially in the wet they seem to do very well in the wet it's, i'm not quite sure what it is about being in the wet
0: uh with with the exception of the uh just falling back on the inners like they were that they were good in quality. Yeah, no, they were able to hook up a lap and, but the the thing
1: that continues to bother me is I want, I want to see that on a bunch of like a whole weekend where the weather's stable and you can really make that evaluation because there is, there's just that modifier that's like, what's really going on with this, right? Is it that it does really well to heat its tires up and therefore it's great in the wet and therefore it outpaces everybody else or is it just
0: genuinely really good? um i don't really know well you'll be happy crazy. to know there's a 60 percent chance of rain in monza next oh Sunday. come
1: on people this is supposed to be global warming can we go sprinkle whatever the hell it is in the sky that's supposed to fix it this is not what i was promised especially in the middle of like at the end of summer in italy <sighs> not cricket not cricket uh, okay anything else from qualifying no i'm good okay uh on to the race recap man what a race uh, I don't know if I want to put it down as a great race, but I thought it was a pretty good race. It was certainly fun and entertaining for the full
0: two hours and 45 minutes. You know what my initial thoughts were? This is exactly what Bernie Eccleston wanted when he talked about putting sprinklers on the track. the you are exactly correct. I, I completely understand that perspective. This, this is exactly the race. We're going to oh man, it's suddenly wet on lap one, now it's dry on lap 10, then like the sky opens up on like lap 62, and (laughs) that was insane. Uh, I totally understand them throwing the red flag, and it was absolutely the right call, but I wanted to see them tiptoe around for five more laps in the absolute, you know, deluge that was coming down.
1: I, in all honesty, I was actually surprised that they didn't throw the red flag at the first bit of rain in lap two or three or whatever it was. I was I was kind of surprised that they didn't, just because everybody was so close and everybody was like clearly trying to stay out on the on the wets. So I thought they were going to red flag it
0: because like it's too wet. But uh, credit to them for not throwing it at that point. I think there's probably something of, like, you want to make sure every team gets, like, the pit stops and everything done so you have a good order. And it's not like, oh, this person who, you know, decided to leave the tires on way too long. like
1: Or or go too early, just, you know, right before somebody crashes their car and gets stuck at the end of the pit lane uh, with a big red light. Um, So um, I think one of the things I thought that was most um, amusing, maybe not exciting, was the whole narrative around Mr. Uh, Perez and his pit stops um it was funny to hear bernie collins who i think actually she did a great job i thought it was a really from a journalist perspective she took the time and went away and listened to all the radios to b- bring out the narrative um but my only conclusion was is the way it was spun that they did Perez a dirty which
0: i don't think is necessarily true yeah that that really bothered me yeah it was it was because here here is my take on this If you don't want Perez to have these weird strategies, because let's be honest, the only reason he got called in on the first lap is because he qualified in seventh. He put that car so far behind Max that it was like, oh yeah, there's at least six cars that we're not going to have to worry about in the pit lane because you are already so far back. No wonder he got the preferential strategy treatment and I'm putting preferential in air quotes there on on that lap one. Because like, Yeah, of course. And then he did a fine job as soon as, you know, on the wet tires, but Max like quickly closed that 12 second gap down to like five. That was, watching that is why, as much as
1: I'm not a fan of Max, why Max is deserving of being in the GOAT category. He was annoyed, he wasn't necessarily angry, but he was annoyed, and he drove the wheels off that car, and he was absolutely not going to accept being stuck by Perez. It was was amazing, watching him just go, (gasps) past everybody else, it was great.
0: Which is, you know, they, they said, like, because Fernando pitted, then we can pit Max because and avoid all the undercut, which does make sense because Perez was further up the road. But then we undercut Perez. Uh, but then all this also stems from if you want to not be clearly given the second best strategy, don't be 160 some odd points behind your teammate in an equal car.
1: It was when the radio call comes up that Perez is like, did Max undercut me? Yes, Checo. Why did he do that? uh, we'll talk about that later. I'm like, what confuses me about this is there seems to be this belief. And I know it sounds really weird that Perez believes he's entitled to exactly the same strategy and in some ways preferential treatment over Max. And I, I, I don't understand it. It's like, Paris, why are you asking why? You know exactly why. Because you're not as good as him, and he's going to go off and win the race, and it's his home race, and they're going to get the record, and even if he doesn't, he's just going to come past you anyway, so what's the point in wasting it? Just make everything easier. Like, how can you not acknowledge that and be that self-aware?
0: Because to operate at that level, you have to believe that at any moment, you are always capable of winning. Yeah, maybe. Anyway... Uh, and the other thing is, interestingly, he also got the initial call to inters on the second batch of rain, uh, to which it was like the one Red Bull messed up pit stop of all time. That was beautiful. They hired the Ferrari pit crew team. Just for one stop. Just for one stop. Uh, yeah, but the Ferrari pit crew team did so much worse on Charles at the start of the race. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I was, yeah. And so he got the preferential call to enters and then they did give him an eight second stop, which isn't good. And he sped in the pit lane and lost his podium. Like, come on, Sergio. Like, and also like, come on, Karun. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, you know why. It, yeah,
1: I, I don't understand why people call, why try to, they construct a narrative that doesn't really exist. Uh,
0: keep the viewers entertained.
1: They could do that by getting rid of Crofty who could get driver's names correct. That would be,
0: you know, helpful. Oh, he's better than others. Um Yeah, but then you after like the Logan Sargent safety car, which that took a while to call that safety car. I was surprised. Yeah. Um like it was very <laughs> Max just off into the distance like gone uh i
1: did i did speaking of the red flag and logan Sargent's red flag specifically i was kind of surprised when they did the restart they made everybody go out and drive around i was surprised they didn't just put them on the lifty things and shuffle them in the pit lane like they did at baku and Magello and somewhere else where they did the same sort of thing i was
0: very confused by that yeah that was interesting to me too because i guess it was because they were like technically down a lap that was like them unlapping themselves so you could run it that way Yeah, there's been a couple
1: of times in the past where somebody's talked about this, and it always seems to come down to, do we think we can make the lap counting system fix itself? And often the answer is no, it gets very, very confused. And so the correct thing is to just have the cars do the right thing and sort itself out that way.
0: Oh, and and just back on Perez and Max, Max had like such a gap over Perez with the rain that he was able to do like the wet tire stop and also was still just came out in front of Sergio.
1: It was, it was, it was a great race for Max and he drove like a crazy person and Perez needs to shut up and
0: drive. And then, then again, Perez did try to go explore the runoff area in turn one. He should get a penalty for that because he did not follow the correct
1: return procedure. He did not take the escape road back, which I'm pretty sure he should have done.
0: Yeah, but it was a super cool power slide. uh, Rear tap the wall and then uh, continue on. Anyway, is that enough chat about Red Bull? Oh yeah, Max won nine consecutive races. That's pretty cool. Good job. Equal to Seb. Let's see if he can beat Seb. And And then Red Bull can forget about Seb. I think
1: the only thing we can conclude from this is we've got two more years of Red Bull dominance before Max gets annoyed and leaves the team. And Red Bull forgets how to make cars for another five years. That's like
0: what? 56 more wins for Max? Yeah, he'll
1: be up there at the top. He'll be probably beating Hamilton. Boo. Uh Okay, N- enough enough about the um, the Red Bull team and their shenanigans.
0: So we should go on
1: to um, the best thing. The best thing?
0: Oh, yeah, because uh, there's a great uh, Twitter account, because I'm not going to call it by its other name, uh, F1Troll, that posted a great meme uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine of uh, Captain Holt uh, with George Russell B-like, why am I not getting a podium? I specifically requested it. Oh, man, that was so bad
1: when that came over the radio. He looked like such a whiny little turd.
0: I mean, more so than he already does. Um, yes. But that that was such not a good look. That was so not a good look.
1: It's, it's interesting when we reflect back on when we complain about Whiny Hamilton or Whiny Max. They are whining about something very specific and clearly in the moment. And it is like, yeah... Why couldn't we have done better in this situation? Oh my God, what are you doing to me? But when we hear this,
0: it's like, guys, the simulation said I was going to get a podium. Why am I back here in 17th? Please fix this. It's like, make it better.
1: And he was in front, so he should have got the better everything. Well, at that point, you weren't George. You were right down the back and tough kahoonies. And he ended up finishing last of the yeah. finishers wait because he crashed into someone what a shock
0: who because he crashed into yuki as well right but did it yeah. cause any damage yes and that that is george's what third non-finish of the season it is it's his third dnf one of them i will fully accept was not his fault which was when his engine
1: went pop um, maybe well, maybe he was over revving it but you know let, let's let's put it down his engine went pop i can't remember what the other dnf was
0: um let's see
1: it was in canada oh yeah he hit a wall oh yeah he was driving too hard yeah not good not a good look at all george you need to do better when you listen to this podcast you're welcome to come on and talk to us uh we will discuss it for a while oh is he one of our dozen listeners i'm hoping so it's certainly possible but, you know, if, if you happen to know George Russell and you're a listener or know someone who knows someone who knows someone, we would love to talk to him and have an honest and open conversation on this podcast because we're, we're, we're all respectful here. We won't call anybody
0: by names. I have now had two people who I know have conversations with Valtteri Baltas.
1: <gasps> See, we need to get him on the podcast.
0: Yeah, that is much more likely at this point. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, and then also on Merck strategy, I, I posed the question of uh, did Merck and Ferrari switch strategy teams? Because you have mentioned in the past that uh, Ferrari run the simulation and then think this is how everything's going to go and refuse to look at anything else going on. And that is exactly what I feel like Mercedes did this weekend because you're looking around at the start of the race. You see the radar. Granted, it did rain a lot sooner and harder than I think they initially expected. But it's like, yes, let's start Lewis on the medium tire and then leave him out for way too long and then finally put him on the inters. I saw him do an interview
1: uh, after the race with Sky, and he said that, you know, he did feel a bit... He he supported going on to the mediums. He was down with that, except that, because he wanted to run a contra-strategy, except he didn't think the entire field was going to be on softs. And so he was a little disappointed when that happened. Um, But I will counter your point, and I will say, Mercedes have always had a better strategy team than Ferrari. However, the Mercedes strategy team is not great. That's not just because you're better from Ferrari doesn't mean you're great. And I think that this is less that they ran a bunch of simulations and followed the rules and regulations and just followed it. I think they didn't know how to make the right call in the moment because they were too panicked about which one to do. And so unlike Ferrari, who don't look at the situation, panic and decide just to stick with what they know or delay too long, I think Ferrari don't look around. I think Merck look around and then like a headless chicken don't know what to do. I will say that they said, oh no, we think the rain will be fine. You can stay out. If you look at some of the te- some of the people who did stay out, Alex Albon, for example, they did not come in and it actually worked out for them. So for Mark, it may have worked out if they had been just a little bit better. Maybe if the car had been better, maybe the Williams is actually a really good car in the wet.
0: And so I, I don't know. Maybe if the soft tire had actually been a soft tire, what, Alex did like 43 laps on that thing. I don't think a soft tyre should go over half the GP distance. Yeah, but how much of that was spent driving around really slowly? Okay, like eight of those laps? Still roughly half GP distance.
1: Uh, he seems to be very good at it. All the, all the the, Williams is very good at looking after its tyres in
0: certain situations. Yeah, no, it's definitely good. Uh, but yeah, it was, and then like you put George on the hards, which was also a weird strategy call to me. I think
1: that was his call. I think he was trying to make that call to be like, I think we can go to the end.
0: But I mean, sure. But like the softs were going to the end at that time. I don't think that, I don't think that was clear at the time that they did that though. Speaking of the uh, wonderful strategy team, there was one great moment with uh, Carlos signs of like, all right, we're thinking we might try to push these softs till the end box, ne- box next lap immediately.
1: I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand some of the radio teams that all calls make. Like, in this case, I'm not going to blame Ferrari because it's so often you hear it's like, can you push? Oh, can we do this? What about the other? Let's go keep going longer. And then they get called in five seconds later and I don't I don't really understand it. It's like, I need to be a
0: tire parson. We're thinking of going to the end. All right, okay, let's see. Like, maybe five more laps. Oh, no, no, no. We're just going to, we're just going to bin a box right now. Yeah, very strange.
1: Uh, okay. Enough about Merc for now. Uh... Yuki did a great drive on those tires. I know we talked about that earlier. I think I think that was a bad call by the team, and I think he did a great job. He did a great job holding up everybody. He held up Norris. He held up Hamilton. Pretty good job. He just
0: didn't have the speed to go forward. Did uh, Liam Lawson get the absolute worst luck of the race to start on, or the race to do your first Formula One race? Yes, I think he did. I think, uh, actually, I'm going to say that. He had the
1: worst luck, but Seb had really bad luck in Monza when he had his first win. That, I suppose that wasn't his first race. so I'll take that back. I'll take that
0: back. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking your your first F1 race is like Canada 2011 levels of crazy. Uh, oh, by the way, how amazing would it have looked if somebody started that race on enters? If somebody happened to get like like look at the radar and go, actually, I don't think we're going to uh, to make it that far into the race. Let's just chuck on enters right at the start. That would that would have been. That would have been, but did people people
1: did come at the end in, in at the end of the first lap right
0: right right but it, it was like it was clearly raining like right after the formation lap and i'm just thinking like what if some what if some team had like looked at the radar and said you know what i think it's going to immediately go to inners and just do the formation lap on inners here's the question if you'd done that you would have been mugged on the start you'd have been
1: absolutely destroyed now yes you may want that that may have still netted out because by the time you'd got part by the time everybody had been through that you'd just be like prancing along like us like a little happy spring lamb all the way to the front
0: yeah by the time you got to turn four though you'd be a genius <laughs> exactly uh, i do think that was uh,
1: I, I i wasn't expecting people to be into but when i when i saw the race starting i felt surely somebody was going to try it but that was not the case i think possibly it was just too late by the time the rain had shown up so. i think that's true Uh, do you want to talk more about Lewis at all? Ah, yes, always.
0: Uh, I'm happy to talk about Lewis for the rest of eternity. Um, I think he had a great recovery drive. You seem to be an awful big McLaren fan to talk about Lewis so much. Of course, maybe that actually does make sense.
1: Oh, exactly. It's his true home. Uh, he says he's a Mercedes fan, but I'm pretty sure he's going back to McLaren. Anyway, I thought it was a good drive, uh, from Hamilton, actually. I think, I think the first 15 to 20 laps were not great. I think he was in a bit of a, bit of a mood. I think he was very upset about being at the very back, um, but I think when he when he found his vibe and started to go forward, he was going forward and it was surprisingly, he ended up having a lot more pace than I think everybody else thought he did. I thought it was funny when he came up on George, admittedly on a different tyre strategy. and He also clearly had a bunch more pace uh, on George and it was great. I thought he did pretty good and he seemed pretty chipper when he got to the very end of it. Um, it was funny as I was watching the last turn because he was really close on... Um, Saints but also had Norris right behind him he comes right around the final corner and he just gave it a bit too much power and the car does the little squirrel thing and that's what let Norris catch up on him I went back and watched the onboards and I was fully expecting Norris to be like did I get it did I get it uh but no he was just like okay position 73 you know whatever whatever and it was what 23 thousandths of a second so two two hundredths of a second it was really close um so very lucky Hamilton there, but I think he did a good drive. If he hadn't been for that red flag, I think he might have um, made it one position higher. Gasly got on the podium. That was a great race by Gasly. Quiet, got on with it, did his thing, drove the car, timed it right, drove it great when he was driving it, defended, overtook people. That, that's that's what we want to see from Gasly. And I think if he could be consistent and do that every week, he'd be such a better driver. Such a better driver. So. Um I think the last point in here uh is did you notice that there was no Aston Martin medical car? I did not. There was a safe there was a safety car that was an Aston Martin. I saw Uh, that one. but, But when Sergeant binned it and the last red flag, it was a Volkswagen in blue with an F1 logo on the side of it. Um I can take a side journey into the fact and say it was an Aston Martin. It might just have broken down because um, that's what they want to do. Um, but I was kind of surprised at that. And I thought that was very curious because I thought that was like a required thing. And I'm pretty sure as I think back, I think it was not Aston Martin that was behind them on the start. And so I'm really confused where it went.
0: Maybe it did break down.
1: Maybe it did break down.
0: So. Actually, is that where Lance Stroll needs to end up replacing Burt Mylander? He can lead races. He can drive an Aston Martin. That that can be it. And you can meet him in his old people's home. And it's like, Have you, did you ever... You know, lead a race when you were an
1: F1 driver, and he'll be like, "Yes, I led hundreds and hundreds of laps," uh, and nobody. Like, oh, that's good. What car were you we in? I was in an Aston Martin,
0: and it'll be great, and nobody will be the wiser. Mylander's pretty far up there on like the uh, laps led count, isn't he? he? He's he's. Has he ever won a race? Like gone over the finish line because you know they're
1: pulling because they don't want the safety car.
0: No, they they yeah. usually pull into the the pits. That sucks because you know I'd yeah. like to
1: I'd like to have the honorary win there. Yeah. <laughs> Love to see
0: him just come up on the podium. Exactly. Exactly. I I think luckily due to all the chaos, we were saved from Lando Norris breaking another trophy. True.
1: True. And they were they looked very delicate this week.
0: I, I, I did see a thing of, uh,
1: hey, Lando, don't break these. Uh, speaking of Lando, I feel like at the very beginning, he made the same mistake that he made in Sochi uh, in 2021. Um, where the team was like, you know, it's probably time for inters, and he was like, no, nah, I think I can do it. He wasn't as aggressive, but he kind of, I think he was participating in the choice to stay out.
0: Yes, uh, while rain is the great equaliser, it's uh, Lando Norris nightmare fuel. It is, every night. Every time he hears a raindrop on the roof of his house, he's crying. That must be terrible living in England. Indeed, exactly. Although we don't get metal roofs in England, so it's probably more of a pitter-patter rather than a clunk-clunk-clunk. Anything else about the race? uh it was fine. I still like Zanvort. I think Xanvort's
1: a pretty it's, cool track. It's it's a great it's a great track. I loved watching as we were talking about in the previous episode, turn three. It was great watching Fernando go up and down and up and down and sneaking past and everybody being confused how they're supposed to do it. It was great, lovely track.
0: Yeah, uh, I wish they could fall a little closer in the third sector, um, but yeah, other than that, I like I like the banking coming onto the home straight. Great track. Uh, oh, uh, did you see real quick? Speaking of the like last turn banking. Uh, Formula One did, like, a marble race down the banking to see, like, whichever marble went the furthest was their prediction of who was going to win the race. Was it correct? It was George Russell, the man who was classified last.
1: Is that, is that, is that what the simulation he was talking about? Maybe. Okay. I did not see that. I'm gonna have to go watch that. Is it, like, like Marble Madness F1 channel crossover?
0: No, uh, maybe, but it was definitely on, like, F1's Instagram.
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to go look for that.
0: We have to have content 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 people we need some more content speaking of content let's go over any takes of rumors that we think might uh, be happening in the next i don't know week okay so i've got two spicy takes slash rumors. what's the spicy
1: takes they're spicy takes um the first was um hamilton was not as dominant as max is currently during his career of winning at mercedes because mercedes pit stops are terrible and they always have been, it's not a new thing, they've always been bad at it, causing him to lose positions and have to retake them, which he did easily, right? Not, it wasn't like it was a terrible problem, rather than skipping away at the front. When you watch Max and he goes in pit stops and they just nail the pit stop and do them like 2.4 seconds or 2.2 seconds, and he's like, oh, great, I keep my position, I keep going forward. What kept happening to Lewis is he'd lose that, he'd lose the undercut, overcut, whatever cut we're doing, because the, set, the pit stop was a second or a second and a half slower than everybody else, causing him to end up in a situation where he couldn't then keep going forward and that's really what it is it's mercedes pit
0: stop team being trash i definitely would not go against that just from the sake of like you think of the pit stop for probably from toto Wolff's uh austrian precision mind of uh you can't win a race in a pit stop so we're not going to lose the race in the pit stop which is
1: like I, I, which it, I think it's both a false premise
0: to start with and it's missing out the fact that even if you can't win it, you certainly can lose it. right. but I think we've talked previously about like Red Bull had to fight for every single little advantage in the in the teens, yeah, the twenty teens and and this is why they're still so good at like pit stops and strategy, except today for Paris. He did that himself. No, he did
1: not cause the entire pit crew to forget that he needed tires. And have to run around to change them. Also, they were just having a temporary swapsies with the Ferrari team um, because they wanted to just practice. They wanted to show everybody else that it
0: wasn't just them. It was a massive PR spin so that they didn't look totally stupid. I I would love to hear, like, the mechanics radio loop because I'm pretty sure it was, like, Inners, wait, Inners already? Oh, crap, 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 like... Yeah, I feel sorry for the pit crew because apparently it was all the clerk's fault, really, but... Uh, uh... Do you see how many pit stops Max won the race with officially? Six. Six? Six. That is classic Michael Schumacher, right tyres, right time. Yeah. Uh,
1: My other spicy hot take uh, is that George is closer to Jensen Button than he is to Lewis. He also crashes into people while making aggressive moves, which he seems to do all the time. But when I think about Jensen Button, I'm not saying he's a bad driver, but there is something that I got a sense of kind of entitlement about him, especially after he got his first world championship. It's like, well, I'm a world champion. Of course, I'm very good at what I do. Uh, And then he wasn't very good at it after that. And I feel like he's closer to that than he is to Lewis. Everybody's saying, oh, he's, you know, Britain's next greatest hope." I think Lando and Lewis, two peas in a pod. I think they're actually closer in terms of their behavior, their attitude, and the way that they think about their racing um, than George's. And I think George is closer to Jensen Button.
0: That's probably true. The only thing I will say is I don't think Lando wants it like Lewis wanted it. No, I would agree with that.
1: I'll can ha- happily agree with that.
0: Because I because I know Lando is very good at like the golf. Uh, and I, I saw something that he's apparently also really good at tennis, and there was talking like, oh, do you think you could like break into the tennis pros? And he's like, Well, I don't think I'm that good, but you know, I'm also a f- driver, I want to keep driving. And I think it I sometimes I get very Kimi Räikkönen, in this is a hobby for me vibes. Yes, not not as nonchalant about it. I think in, like, the world's weirdest omnium race of Formula One driving, tennis, and golf, Lando Norris is by far, like, the one who's going to take that crown. Maybe. Apparently Lewis is very good at tennis. Yeah, but it's, like, um, like really good triathletes are very good at, like like, the Olympic triathlon. They're, like, very good at being essentially mediocre athletes. Because you put them in like the swimming races, they're going to get demolished. You put them in the running races, they're going to get demolished. You put them in the cycling events, they're going to get demolished. But you put them in a triathlon, it's like, oh, you're just like the 95th percentile in all of these. Which in these, this combined makes you amazing.
1: Okay, I, I, I can I can see that. I can see that.
0: I, which I, uh, which no shade at triathletes. I do think it's very uh, it's very impressive to to see like the, especially like the Olympic distance triathlon. I think that's a very cool mix of skills to be above average
1: in three things is takes more effort than it does to be the best at one thing. Um
0: oh. oh yes, the the joke of uh the the halloween costume for triathletes is you skip the costume to get in your fourth or the party to get in your fourth workout of the day. I don't get that. Because you have to you have to be very good at three sports so you're doing like four workouts a day. So you can't go to the halloween party, so you you don't dress up. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I thought there was a
1: whole comment that they turn up to the, the the Halloween party naked, and I was very
0: confused. No, no, no. You, you, the the Halloween costume for triathletes is you skip the Halloween party because I see. you have to get in your fourth workout of the day. I see. Okay. I still don't think I get it. Good. That's fine. Good. That's fine. Okay. Maybe one
1: per, one of our listeners will get it, and that'll maybe be yes. happy. Please, please write into feedback at tenfold helmets and let me know what I'm missing about that joke. Uh, we read every email that we get, which is currently zero. That's not true. We've been spammed multiple times. True. We, people would like to tell us about how they can improve our podcast and sign us up for advertising. I'm pretty sure they're telling a bunch of porky pies. Anyway, okay. Uh, do you have any spicy takes and rumors before we move on to our wrap-up and crazy but plausible predictions?
0: Not really. I think my craziest thing was that uh, the Daniel Ricardo crash was a Zach Brown plot.
1: I still think this is good. There's a non-zero chance, let's say, that that's the case.
0: i I would love for that to uh that to come out there was a great uh we're getting into the nfl season and there was a great um commercial that of like the nfl script writers because the joke is always (laughs) that the nfl is staged and i would love to see like the formula one take on that of like the formula one script writers you just have like evil zach brown being like yes and then daniel will come back and crash and break his wrist and be gone again and it's yeah
1: drive to survive producers here is your opportunity to cut this together just a little short couple of um, sound bites from Zach from a totally different interview. You know how to
0: make it happen. Ominous music in the background. Exactly. We'll, we'll even take an anonymous writing credit. Uh, yes. We don't even want money. We just want an anonymous writing credit.
1: Uh, yeah. What do you think about Monza? answer? Uh, my take is that Liam will still be in the car and does well. I don't think there's any chance that Danny Rick's going to come back in the car in a week. I'm still not. No, I think it's a little too quick.
0: I'm not sure he's going to be back in before whatever the race is after that either. I would say Japan, purely just because I think Singapore is too wrist-heavy. So if we, if we take Lance Stroll's uh, two weeks to get back to racing, uh, what, we got Monza a week off, and then Singapore and Japan back-to-back? I think so. And then Qatar, Max wins the World Championship based on his current pace. We're only four races away from a Max Verstappen World Drivers Championship. And how many races have we got left? Uh, eight. Eight uh one two three four five six seven eight nine 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 and and two sprints i believe
1: man uh drive to survive next year is going to be great uh my next crazy pra- plausible prediction is charles leclerc is going to re-sign with ferrari at the beginning of the weekend
0: and then ferrari are going to have an extremely bad weekend
1: because uh, it's a home race
0: f- Those poor Tafosi. Why do you wish bad things upon the Tafosi?
1: I'm not wishing them. I would love to see Ferrari. I'm merely reflecting reality. I'm just, I am just a chat GPT predictor of what's going to happen. And it's based on what's happened in the past. I'm predicting what's going to happen in the future. Uh, And then my last one is uh, Williams does really well.
0: uh, And then we think about taking Logan off the watch list because he's going to get like second or something. I, I have a very bold prediction for the 2023 race season. And that is, we are going to have a dry qualifying and a dry race.
1: Oh, that is spicy! That is
0: very spicy, <laughs> right? Yes.
1: Uh, I'm. I'm going to. I'm based on your comment earlier that you said it was a 60 percent chance of rain. I'm going to go against that and definitely bet bet that it's going to be wet for at least one of them, if not both. Uh, I think Saturday looked okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, for once, if we're gonna if we're gonna have a dry day. I will take the qualifying being dry because I think that's the that's
0: the one I don't like being wet because it's just a random number generator. That's fair. I I think I'd prefer the other way around. I prefer a bit of a jumbled qualifying, making a more interesting grid.
1: But we saw today that when it rains during the race, it can mess everything up. Yeah. See that that that. Not to get on my high my soapbox about random numerators. Qualifying is so about one lap pace, and it is all just about luck on the timing and that doesn't reflect necessarily at least not completely the driver's skill right there's a bunch of other stuff that gets and when you throw the weather in it's tough and less. in the race everybody gets rained on at exactly the same time it all happens in just the same way everybody's got to do the same thing and so the the cream rises to the top in that situation
0: i i will counteract by saying that yes it starts it it doesn't actually start raining on everybody at the same time Oh, okay, because the track goes round, and it's big, and it's circular, and it's blah, 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 etc. Right. It's like the safety, when the safety car gets thrown, it is not always equal to where everybody is on track. There is an element of luck when it comes to where our safety car's thrown, where does it start raining, where are you when it starts raining, where are you when it truly goes, when when you reach the crossover point. Because ideally, you would like to be coming out of the last corner, able to go into the pits, like, right at the crossover point. That's not always the case. I will. I will... I hear your point, and I accept it, but I do not subscribe to it. That's fair. I, I think, if anything, we need um, Eccleston sprinklers just to make sure we always have an even surface throughout the race. So if it starts raining, we just keep the sprinklers going to make sure the, the track stays at the same level of wetness.
1: You've now got me thinking about the thought that if Bernie Eccleston still I hope, was running F1 and this was a thing that actually had happened, you know that Bernie would turn it into either an opportunity for the um, crowd to make the choice about when it gets turned on or into the most insidious, backstabbing, manipulative system, like how it was chosen, whether it was going to do it, you, you know, there'd be something messed up in there. And I, I don't know what it would be, but you know, it would involve money and, you know, wrapped up in paper bags. It would be disgusting.
0: I'm already thinking of like the uh, the Formula E fan boost sort of thing to be like the uh, the Formula One super soaker.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And they were repositioned only at corner entry.
0: Sure. And why is it always hitting George Russell?
1: I have no idea.
0: I'd have to think he might be the most disliked F1 driver. I
1: don't think he's disliked. I'm going to say this in a very strange way. I dislike Checo more, but I find George massively annoying.
0: I honestly think that at this point, everybody would just be super soaking Max just to like, give us another race yes. winner, yes. please. I think that's
1: fair. I, that's I
0: mean, fair. I hadn't heard the Dutch national anthem in three weeks. See, I just turn off before they do that bit. And that's only because I wasn't watching the podium ceremonies at cycling worlds. Were, were the Dutch <laughs> dominant in the cycling world? The uh, The Dutch sprint, sprinty boys are just so good.
1: Must be taking lessons from Max.
0: Uh, I doubt it. They, they are very different body types. <laughs>
1: Doesn't mean he doesn't have tips and advice to
0: give. Those that can do, those that can't teach. That's true. But the Dutch boys are very good at riding bikes quickly in circles. Like they're driving cars in circles. What else do they do in circles?
1: I don't know. Anyway. Speed skating.
0: Speed, are they not good at speed skating?
1: No, I think the Dutch are very good at speed skating. You well, said what else do they to. would
0: do well in circles? Speed skating.
1: Speed skating, okay. Uh, writers, listeners, if you'd like to write in with other sports that the Dutch participating that go in circles that they
0: are not good at, I would like to hear them. That'd be a very good question. Exactly, it's a pub quiz question. Are are the Dutch just the best country at sports that go in circles? Indeed, we. This is why we need people to write in. Uh, cross-country skiing, I think the Nordics take that. That that also goes in circles. Is that is that is that really circles though? Well, is F one really circles? They go a bunch of different directions. No, but I, in cross-country,
1: I thought cross-country was point to point. No, it's a, it's a loop. Oh, it is a loop.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: At least some of the races are loops. Uh, the homework for the next episode, and we'll put it on there. We'll discuss it. Is what is the Dutch national team's performance in uh, Olympic cross country
0: skiing? I at least think we have some good off season, uh, uh, F one off season content of like let's review the Dutch's dominance in blank. We
1: we can do it for each nationality. We can talk there about the are. top three sports, and we'll have to adjudicate what is what what is considered the most successful.
0: Right. Uh, shall we call it? I think we've definitely jumped the shark on this episode. Indeed. Uh, No more more
1: sharks. Uh, We've jumped them. They're well behind us now. So uh, we're waiting for your feedback. Write into feedback at tinfoilhelmets.com and let us know your conspiracies, feedback, and wants. Also about the Dutch national team in circular sports. Uh, And also tell your friends to listen, like, rate, and subscribe. We are always ready and always waiting. We'll be back next week
0: with Monza coverage. There we go, get the liquid death out of my system